Welcome to the Glasgow Baptist Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Erdie Carter. We want to help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. Grateful for the choir who was there and the instrumentalist and, and, uh, and Pam and Whitney. Thank you so much for leading us. If you have your Bibles, let me invite you to go to Galatians chapter 2. Last week we started this series uh, in Galatians, choosing to live in freedom. Uh, Paul spends a lot of time in the, the book of Galatians talking about freedom. And so that's what we're going to do. As, as you, as I was thinking about it this week, have you ever been misled? Show of hands. Somebody's misled you. Not, that doesn't mean on purpose, but they've just misled you. For example, have you ever been in a building that you didn't recognize and you're trying to maneuver your way around and and somebody misled you. Maybe they were. Maybe they told you they were could take you to the right place, or maybe you just thought they knew what they were doing, and you followed them, and it ended up uh, leading you <laughs> into a place you didn't know. You know that happens. Uh, sometimes we're misled uh, by a false advertisement. You ever bought something because you thought, "Man, this is going to work. I can't. I'm so excited about this," and you get it, and it's just a dud. Uh, and that's what you get for staying up in the middle of the night buying those 1-800 item get things on those, those TV shows. Um, I, I was thinking about it this week. I, we were misled years ago. I used to take students on a whitewater rafting trip to West Virginia to the New River. And uh, our first year going, we chartered a chartered bus that was going to take us. Uh, they, they, if you've ever chartered a bus, you know they... They'll take care of it. You tell them the, the address. They, they print out the directions. They'll get you there. And so we were, we were going whitewater rafting, had a weekend retreat. I began to get worried when we turned down this gravel road. And we're in West Virginia, and this gravel road is no wider than this bus. And we keep going deeper, deeper into this 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 gravel road there, but there's no turning around. I think at some point I even heard banjo music, but I'm not sure. <laughs> we finally get someplace. I mean, we, we go down this road for a little bit. We finally, we get to this place and there's this cabin. And I knew when I saw what I looked at, we were lost. So the driver of the bus opens the door. I get off the bus and I said, sir, I'm looking for, and he laughed. He said, I know what you're looking for. He named the, the whitewater rafting company I was looking for. He said, you got your, your directions for MapQuest. Don't know why, but they send everybody through MapQuest to here. Well, thank you. Can you get me out of here? <laughs> here. So he helped us find a way to turn that big bus around and told us where we were going. You, you know, I, I, you know, there wasn't anything on purpose, but we just were misled by the directions. I think my favorite story about being misled comes from uh, Stuart Briscoe. He uh, was an author. He wrote in his book, uh, uh, um, Discipleship for the Ordinary Person. He tells the story of a young colleague who was doing a funeral for uh, a vet, a veteran. And uh, the deceased man's friends, who were all military, wanted to, to participate in the service. So they asked the young minister, said, what we'd like for you to do is walk us down the aisle of the funeral home, stand at attention with us for, for a brief moment as we show our respect, and then walk us out the side door. 
young minister said, sure, I'll be glad to do that. That's no, no problem. He, he does. They get down the aisle, stands there for a moment. He turns and he leads them right into the broom closet. <laughs> he picked the wrong door. And so as they all march in into a military style, they all march into a broom closet to a quick haste that they all had to, in front of everybody, run out and find the right door. Now, you laugh. That is one of my biggest fears of doing. Uh, I, I, I have this, if I do funeral, when I do funerals, if they tell me, especially if it's not in Glasgow or, or even Elizabethtown, uh, if I'm in a city that I'm doing a, a funeral that I don't know, and they go, you're going to lead the procession. Because you know the, the minister normally is out in front of the hearse. No big deal, as long as there's a police officer going to take me to the cemetery. And in some of these communities, that doesn't happen. They'll say, you're going to lead us. I don't know where I'm going. Oh, you, yeah, it's real easy to find. You're going down here, turn left. And No, 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 we're not having that. You know, because it's like... My biggest fear is I turn right when I should have turned left and everybody else follows me. Mike, I don't know if that's your fear, but that's one of my fears. And, and so, anyways, I get nervous in those moments. Well, this morning, Paul calls Peter out because Peter was misled. And in the process, he misleads people. And as a Christian... That should be our biggest concern. I mean, not that we're embarrassed because we walk into a, to a broom closet. No, we don't want to do that as much as we can, can, can keep from happening. But we definitely don't want to mislead someone spiritually. Paul writes to the church, and when he sees Peter, he has to scold him pretty good because Peter fell for the misleading and in doing so he misled others so this morning as we look at Galatians chapter 2 we're going to look at verses 11 through 16 and then 20 and 21 so if you have your Bibles would you stand as we read God's holy word verse 11 reads but when Cephas, which is Peter, by the way, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For he regularly ate with the Gentiles before certain men from James came. However, when they came, he withdrew and separated himself. He became, because he feared from those of the circumcision party, and then the rest of the Jews joined his hypocrisy so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were deviating from the truth of the gospel, I told Cephas in front of everyone, if you who are a Jew live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you compel Gentiles to live like Jews? We are Jews by birth, not Gentile sinners. And yet, because we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Christ, Jesus Christ, even we ourselves have believed in Christ Jesus. This was so that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no human being will be justified. Jump down to verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. 
I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by the faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, nor for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. You may be seated. So let's, let's set the stage just a little bit here. Peter and, and, and Paul are there in Galatia, and, and they are, are hanging out with Gentiles. They're Gentile, non-Jewish believers. Peter has for some time been there, and Peter's been fellowshipping with them, hanging out with them, eating meals with them, and enjoying their company. But all of a sudden, there's this delegation that comes from from Jerusalem, James sends them, sends them, and this delegation on their own, not according to James, because James tells us uh, later that he did not tell them to have this conversation about not eating with Gentiles. But they begin to accuse Peter of his, question his faith and his, his religious activities because he's hanging out with such sinners and eating with them. So what does Peter do? Stops eating with them. He withdraws from them because of this group of religious people who were wrong. So this morning, here's the big idea I want you to catch with me today. It is simply this. When believers live for Christ, they understand it's about God and not about themselves. Otherwise, they're out of step with God. Catch this. When we live for Christ, it's all about Christ, not about ourselves. When we live for ourselves, we are out of step with what God wants and God's plans and God's purposes. And so here, this morning, I want us to catch that. So uh, let's talk about when you live for yourself. What happens when you live for yourself? Well, the first thing is we do this. We, you focus on what others think of you. You focus on what others think of you. Now, Peter has been eating with Gentiles. Not a big deal. Uh, he, he's been enjoying the company. But when these people come from Jerusalem, they have a different thought, a different philosophy. They are, they are of the old school that says you have to. Remember last week we talked that, that not only can Christ, must Christ save you, but you must fall under the law of Moses. So these people that are accusing Peter are recognizing that Jesus is the answer, but also holding that every Gentile must follow Moses' law. And so when that happens, Peter withdraws. Why does Peter withdraw? Because he's focused on what others think of him. Now we, we have a tendency to do that. We have a tendency to feel like I'm, I'm I'm not sure what people will think of me if I, you fill in the blank. And there have been people in churches for years who, who knew they needed to make a public profession of faith but refused to do it because they've been in church all their life but they didn't know Jesus. And they will say when they finally come to a place to, to receive Christ, I knew I needed to do it but I was afraid of what people might think. We live in a culture that we're concerned of 
how people perceive us. Peter was certainly this way in this moment because when they come, he withdraws. The second thing we find uh, is you live the way others think you should. You live the way others think you should. Now, here's the thing about Peter. In Acts 11, uh, 10 and 11, we know that Peter had this vision. And that vision takes place before this moment. And in that vision, he saw coming down from heaven all these animals and these clean and unclean. And God told him, don't call what I made unclean. In other words, Peter understood that there was nothing about what they were eating that made him holy or unholy. But remember, the Jewish laws were real simple. You don't eat certain things. You, you don't do certain things. In fact, if you go to Israel today, you, you know, it'll be a wonderful blessing of a trip. But the food will not be what, you're, what you think because there's no bacon. I'm just telling you, they'd be a whole lot happier over there if they had bacon. I was there 10 days and wanted bacon. But they still follow the, the law of Moses as a Jewish culture. So Peter has already had this vision. He knows what God, what God has said. So why does he do that? Why does he go back to the old Peter? Remember the old Peter? The old Peter said things like, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You, upon this rock, you build our church. I'll, I'll die with you. He says all those things, but then remember what happens? When Jesus is arrested, Peter denies Jesus not once, but three times. But it's also the same Peter that, that comes to the the shore in John 21, and Jesus encounters him and says, go feed my sheep. Gives him a, a calling. Puts it in his heart to, to, to go preach the gospel. All of a sudden, things have changed for Peter. He, he has been the one who stood up and proclaimed, and over 3,000 people come to know Christ. But in this moment, we find him... Moving back to the old Peter, he's misled. He goes the wrong direction. Why? Because he's concerned with what other people think of him. Why? Because he's living like he thinks others think he should. Well, make no mistake about it. We all have been there at some point in our life. We may not be there now. We may be there tomorrow. And when that happens, that's an unhealthy thing. So the third thing we find in our text is you influence others in a negative way. You influence others in a negative way. Peter comes to this place and he's doing it. And if we look at the text, we see where where Paul calls them hypocrites and he even scolds Peter for leading 
Barnabas away. Hey, if Paul says we need to stop, or Peter says we need to stop, I guess we need to stop. He was one of the 12. He, he, he's an important person in the church. He's a deacon, Sunday school teacher. There's a reason the Bible tells us that those of, who are in authority will be held high, in a higher accountability. Because there's influence. And the influence, we need to be careful to not to influence in a negative way. The Washington Post did a story several years ago, or a few years back, uh, on um, sheep farmers in Turkey. The sheep farmers were out one afternoon on this hillside with about 1,500 sheep. And as they were having their lunch, they noticed the sheep had gotten closer to the edge of the cliff. And they were eating their lunch, not thinking much about it, until one sheep jumped off the cliff. When that sheep jumped off the cliff, it went down to the ravine and died. Before they could do anything about it, the herd, the 1,500 sheep, followed suit. And as they followed suit, 450 of those sheep died. How did the others remain? Because the, as they landed, they landed on top of each other. As they continued to drop, the pile got bigger and softer. Why would 1,500 sheep follow one? Because one influenced the other. Happens in our world today. When we have influencers. Now we... we we pay influencers to influence the world. You may not know it, but one of the fastest growing businesses that's out there is influencers on social media. So if you're on Facebook, Instagram, those types of social media, TikTok, whole nine yards, there are people who, who aren't celebrities. They, they didn't invent something, but they have found a way, a niche, to get thousands if not millions of followers and companies are paying them to influence people. To buy a product, to do a certain thing. In fact, companies are looking more and more into hiring influencers to do more advertising for them. Peter in this moment is an influencer, but he influences in the negative. How are you on influencing? You go, well, I don't, nobody, I'm not an influencer. I don't have millions of followers. Listen, if you've got one follower, you're an influencer. If you've got one person who listens to you, you're an influencer. We have to be careful in our influencing. Fourth thing we see in this text is you walk out of step with God. You walk out of step with God. When you live for yourself, we're walking out of step with God. Look again with me at the text. We, we find this idea that after, the, uh, after all this was going on, uh, Paul says in verse 14, when I saw that they were 
deviating from the truth of the gospel. Deviating from the truth of the gospel. In other words, they decided what Christ died for, what the scripture teaches, what Jesus and God told us is not what we need to be. And so they started stepping over here. And Paul calls Peter out for it and says, you're deviating. Here's the gospel and you're going this way. You're out of step. Anytime we put ourselves or anything before God, we're out of step with the gospel. Now listen to me. All eyes up here. Anything you put before God leads you out of step. Parents, when you put your children above God, you're out of step. But I want to make sure my children have the best life they can possibly have. Great. But don't put them above God. Don't put their activities, their, their, their desires above what God, the desires of God. Grandparents, when you decide you love your grandchildren so much that you do everything for them, but you don't teach them the gospel or, and we'll be careful here, or when you go, hey, we don't have to go to church, you're in town. You teach them. They're more important than the gospel. There's a whole list of things we do. As, as parents or as, as when, we, when we put our jobs before for God, every time we do that, we deviate. Now listen, those are good things. Don't, don't misunderstand me. Children are a gift from God, amen? Grandchildren are even better, amen? You know, those things happen. We, those, those are great things. Don't, don't misunderstand me. But anything we put before God, we've just decided they're more important. And that moves us out of step with God. So, let me give you uh, four things that when you live, when you live for Christ. Four things we find in the text. First one simply is this. You understand your biggest need is to be justified with Christ. To be justified with Christ. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. You understand that your biggest need is to be justified with Christ. Justified means just, just to be made right in God's eyes. We, that's our biggest need. Not more money, not bigger houses, not better jobs, not to get over COVID, but to be right with God. It's our biggest need. And when we start recognizing that our, our biggest concern is where we are with God, everything else kind of falls into place. Because we begin to see things and go, you know what, I used to be upset over that, but that's in life, that's really not that big of a deal. That's, that, that, that's not as important as I once thought it was. That, that game, that job, that, that person's not what I... It's not as important in my life as being right with God. Uh, the second thing is, you understand your deeds cannot save you. You understand your deeds cannot save you. Uh, George Barna, I'll use a quote from him at the end, but George Barna uh, releases every year an uh, American culture report. In the last couple of years, there's been this, this growing trend uh, moving away from God, and we kind of understand that, that maybe there's some being out there, but that being loves us if we're just good people. 
if we just do the right thing, if we're just good neighbors, if we just take a soup to somebody who's not feeling good. Listen, our deeds can't save us. They don't get us into heaven. Now, listen to me. Once you come to a place in your life and you recognize Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you understand he calls us to a life of productivity for his glory. So we take that soup because we want to have a gospel conversation. We, we want to influence a neighbor. We want to shovel their driveway for hopefully they may have a conversation of, why did you do that? Well, you know, I just, just want to love on our neighbors and love, love on our community. I just did it. Well, why, why is that? Because there's something in me that, that I'd love to tell you about. And it leads to a gospel conversation. You, you got to understand, your good works, your deeds, the things you do, won't get you to heaven. Only Jesus Christ. Only being justified with Christ. The third thing we see in this text. You understand trusting in yourself and not God eliminates the need for Christ and others. So, if you're going to live for Christ, you come to this place in your life and you go, if I can do it on my own, what, what good did the cross and Christ do for me? I mean, think about that for a moment. We, we try to tackle problems on our own when we need to give them over to God. Every time we do that, we're basically saying, I think I can do this and therefore the cross and Christ are no longer needed. Let me ask you, do you think the cross and Christ were needed? Yes. Yes. So why not trust in the cross in Christ rather than ourselves? Look what Paul says there in verse 21. It's not on the screen, but I'll share it with you. I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness came through the law, or deeds, works, whatever you want to say, then Christ died for nothing. He died for nothing. Listen, we... We have to keep our eyes and recognizing that Jesus came for a reason. He didn't come to make life harder. He didn't come to make life miserable. He came to set us free, to live a new life. A life free from living under all these obligations and rules. These Jewish people came in to see Paul, or see Peter, and they wanted him to live under the rules of what was going on. Christ set us free from that. Christ set us free to live for him in freedom. To live for him, not with rules and regulations, but with relationship. And when you love someone and you love, and you love them intently, you'll do anything for them. The fourth thing I want you to catch is you understand that faith in Christ leads you to do different things, or things differently. Faith in Christ leads you to do things differently. When you come to know Jesus Christ, it changes who you are. It changes your thought process. It changes how you perceive things. It changes your heart. And while the world may say, oh, that's crazy, you recognize no, that's not crazy. And you understand that because of Christ, he leads you to do things. That's why, that's why every year we, 
receive a Lottie Moon Christmas offering because people who've received Christ understand that faith in Christ leads them to do things differently. That thing, for them, God called them to live in a country. To live in a country where there's dirt floors. To live in a country that maybe their life is at risk if they share the gospel. The gospel leads people to do things differently. It, it causes people to, to leave family and friends and go to places to share the gospel. It, it causes people in communities to, to run towards those who are hurting rather than to sit back and wait and let somebody else do it. It causes people to, to tell what Christ has done rather than to remain silent. That's what faith in Christ does. Freedom and choosing to live in freedom doesn't look like following rules. Peter knew that. Peter just had a lapse in judgment. Don't raise your hand, but because I don't want anybody in this room to lie, but we've all had a lapse in judgment. We've all had a moment where we just made a mistake. Peter did that. Didn't lose his salvation. Didn't cause him to, to, to have to be rebaptized. It just, it just caused him to stop and think about what he's doing. As brothers and sisters in Christ, we've lost that thought process of helping and encouraging one another to get back on the right track. Why? Because we're afraid of what other people will think of us. And that's wrong. Because the Bible teaches that we are to encourage and hold one another accountable, to lift one another up, to pray for one another. So that means when you see someone going off and deviating from the truth of the gospel, we're to bring them back in. But we're to do it, that's a whole sermon for another time, but we're to do it in love and we're to do it in prayer. And when those things happen, we bring our brothers and sisters back in to the fold, just like Paul did with Peter. So close your Bibles and look this way. I know you're, you're, you're thinking, we had fewer songs it means the preacher's going to get done early. No, I'm going to make sure I get my whole time. No, I'm just kidding. I want you to look at this quote that, we've, that George Barna, same report the Cultural Research Center wrote. This one came from May of uh, 2020. Groundbreaking new research about American faith and the worldwide view shows that although we proclaim in God we trust on our currency, a slim 51% of the majority of Americans believe in a biblical view of God down from 73% 73 30 years ago. You didn't need that quote from Barna to know that. You knew that just by walking in Walmart. You knew that just by going to your place of business. You, knew, you know that by watching the news. So how do we fix that? We live for Christ. We live for Christ 
each and every day. We, we evaluate how we live, and we stand up for the gospel, recognizing that Jesus set us free to live for him. Would you stand with me this morning? This morning, if, you've, if you're here and your first thought is, I am not free because I've not responded to the gospel, today we want to give you an opportunity to do that. In just a moment, we'll sing a hymn of invitation, which means we, we basically are inviting you to come to know Jesus. Please don't think, what will other people think? Because let me tell you what they're going to think. They're going to give praise to God because somebody recognizes they need Jesus. And so, Put that thought out of your mind. All you need to do is come this morning. We'd love to share with you. Mike will be here. I'll be here. You, you come. If you're here this morning, maybe there's another decision on your heart to join our church family. Maybe, maybe it's, it's you want prayer today. Looking at what God is calling you to do, challenging you, you come this morning. We'd love to pray with you. Whatever the case may be, as we sing this song, would you come? Father, in this moment,